It's your time to shine, Matt. It's your time to shine. I uh, do you remember kind of growing up, being a little kid, especially boys? I think uh, teasing, razzing, that type of thing. It's kind of a there, there's a it's a rite of passage. There's a little there's a rhythm to it, and ideally, in your in your group of friends, kind of razzing each other, it, it can be a sign of of affection and that you're you're in the in group if you can give and take a little bit, right? I, yeah, I'm, I, you know, like, that's. It was definitely, uh, definitely just the '90s. This is all. This is when it happened. So. Well, yeah, growing up, but you know, and there's there's a step too far as bullying. There's, but but generally within your in group, you know, joking around, uh, that type of thing is generally. Are you trying to explain having a good time? There was well, but do you remember also there was a little like attitudinally maybe. Like somebody'd show up and you'd be like, "Hey, dork or whatever," yeah. you know, you'd them back, and uh, and they'd be like, get like all mad and maybe shove past you roughly, and you're like, "Whoa, what happened?" Yeah. And then somebody else tells you like, "Oh, his grandma just died," and you're like, "Oh man, this wrong time," and you're like a little sheepish, like, "Oh, now is not the you know like yeah, nah. not now not the time to call him a dork." Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of feel like the Broncos country, this it feels like your guys' grandma just died. And as a Chiefs fan, I it it seems like like a really good opportunity to kind of just pile on because the season's not going great. Back's a robot. It's but, a brilliant intro you got here. I like it. But but do you see what I mean? It's like yeah, I do. It me back, and it's just like oh, I shouldn't really. It feels like your guys' like grandma just died or something. Well, it's almost like if you try to to rib us or something, we're gonna say something like even worse to make you just even more uncomfortable. You know, like how you said how do you, how to fight being scared. You just tell somebody your the ghost your your day to day life problems, and I feel like you would start be like, oh hey, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, you know, and it's just like. We're lighting $250 million on fire right now, Matt, and just get real serious and make you really kind of uncomfortable so they don't bring it up. You get really into it, like, like all of a sudden you start caring about, like, political stuff. But if I'm just like, that could have been, that could have gone to, uh, you know, a food bank. What are we doing? Yeah. Broncos country, let's ride. How about we, how about we tackle real issues, not sports? How about we ride down to the food bank? What if I, yeah, this is, you know, this is how you counter jerk rival fans aka matt in this case is you just y'all sorry for my language matt i'm talking about real issues here tonight okay this is a serious podcast i don't like it when you just start talking about my dang sports team being bad um no it's 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 bad it's um it is in a way I've sort of had this weird relationship with the uh, Denver Broncos, the professional sports team I follow. Sometimes when they're bad, I disassociate myself from the whole thing and kind of take a step back, almost as if I'm in a dream, okay? Follow me? You don't. Yeah. And you're no, just kind I'm... of looking at it from the side, and you're like, oh, this is bad. And then you're, in your head, you're also like, I wonder how much worse it can get. Almost as a, it, it's kind of like a, I don't know, what, what kind of humor is that? What kind of thinking is that? Gallo humor. Yeah, okay. a little gallo humor. Okay. But how you, if you have a canker sore, you kind of poke at it and you're like, that's painful. But you keep like 
And um, I'm hoping, you know, it gets a little worse, actually, just to see you got to get to the depths, right? I'll bet, yeah. Because if you don't get to the, the bottom, what is there to push off of? Okay, that's a philosophical thing. Okay, you don't get to the bottom, you're just you're drowning in eight feet of water. The pool's 10 feet. What are we doing? Go to the 10 feet. That's really good. Did you make that up? I just did. Okay. And I'm, I'll be honest, no, listener, we're, we're recording this at our usual time, but I'm pretty tired, Matt. I'm surprised I pulled that one off. Okay. It's, That's it's good because the, the cliches are the only way out is through. Perseverance. And it's always darkest for the dawn. Yeah. But if you don't hit bottom, there's nothing to push off of. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. It might be a new saying. I, I We'd have to look back. There probably someone else said that. Uh, maybe we could have said that Schopenhauer or something, and I'd have been like, Oh, yeah, that's yeah, just like, you're like, oh, I've heard that one before. No, but it's like, that's smart. So, how do we get to the bottom? I think is the next question. Well, um, you guys are so bad, and normally when you're this bad, you're like, Hey, at least we're gonna get a good draft pick. Yeah, we don't have that. I, I, I mean, you traded I, your draft picked away. I know you're trying to make it worse, and no, no, you and your brothers and your friends in, in the great state of you know, Kansas and uh. People from Oklahoma probably root for you, and uh, who else? Missouri, maybe. I don't know. I think it's mostly. I think it's mostly. Missouri now, Eastern Nebraska. Anyway, so you guys, you're, got, you're coming up with all your jokes, spending Thanksgiving together. You're making fun of all the Broncos. You're like, hey, have you ever been to DIA? That's a weird airport. And you're just getting all these shots in at Colorado, and the Denver, and the whole area, and you're calling us, you know just all these sort of some mean names and you know what we can't hear you because we're at nine feet in water it was eight feet now we're at nine feet okay like i say it's not even he can't even like have a little football back and forth because it's just yeah you can't it's too soon or it's not too soon it's just i'll tell you this i i wanted to text you about four times i miss tim tebow yeah. At least it was exciting. At least he was deep. It was a little bit of a weird thing to watch, you know, like, oh, how's he doing this? I don't know. Yeah. Magic. Versus, yeah, versus, versus the quarterback who has been good in the past and maybe maybe good again. I kind of want to get into if you think he's fixable. Mm, is he fixable? Should we set this up? For maybe our non-sports because we usually do sports over on patreon yeah so this is this is gonna be a little bit of hey this one's uh this is the two friends talking i was gonna have book facts but uh you know actually there is some book well there's some book-ish kind of author talk in this episode we're settling but, a bet a football bet from last year that involves the book essay so. yeah but if, if you're expecting a lot of uh recommends discussion on books this episode, this this one is just our personalities. And if you don't like our personalities, you probably shouldn't listen to this episode. But let me let me do a formal introduction before you can continue on with your meanness and um, yeah, you're just overall reckless behavior of being a. I thought you were a friend, Matt. I thought you this were is what I'm talking. This appeals to emotion. It's Instead emotion. Instead of the, the schoolyard back and forth, it's God. I can't even believe how pretentious you are and how bad your tastes are and i'm over here drowning and my grandma just died and and you're so just bad yeah and on that note welcome to there will be books a podcast about 
books and my sorrow about football. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. All right, you want to you want to delve let's, into it? You let's wanna... do it. Let's do. Well, so we usually do. How about you start teasing me? Say I. You must have three more. You know, come on, give me. Let's come on. What? We're, we're, we're rival fans. We shouldn't even talk to each other. We shouldn't even be friends. But I feel. I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like I brokered this. I've rooted for your like when when. I we've watched Super Bowls where your team has played. I've been a good friend and I've I've I wished you well. I want to see you happy because you come from sports failure growing up. Yeah, I was gonna say I came from sports success, John Elway, two Super Bowls. Come on now. I've been here before. Broncos country, That's, let's ride. And if you notice, audience, I haven't been mean at all. I've, I've um, you know what I mean? I'm not, but knows how defensive he is. Um, I would also like to point out, this is going to be like a jury. I feel like I would like to point out to the listener keyword listener. Cause they're listening right now. I can see Matt over the zoom call and he has got a white Denver Broncos hat on, which he's wearing. Ironically. I, I believe it's from his grandfather's collection of hats. Yeah. He had a cool collection. Yeah, so cool. normally it would, I would like give it to Peter or something as a gift, but I don't, think i can do that i don't think you can this is my is like my grandfather's yeah so this is a good time to, to wear but why, why are you wearing it why 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 wear it's it? a football theme episode i had to get into the uh were you one minute late to recording because you're trying to find that hat oh no i know where it is <laughs> i know where it is uh so you should post that on our instagram so the listener yeah, can hear. Well, please yeah, with a picture of a book next to it yeah i know I don't know how it works. I got it. I'm way ahead of you. And the caption should say, Broncos country, let's get up. Like, you have to get up before you can ride. Mm-hmm. My analogies might be, this might be my analogy episode. You're just trying to keep the pain at bay. It's not. Here's the good thing. So, about, let's, so let's, let's set the scene here. Set, the, set scene. the scene. Set, set your. So in this summer, the Broncos, who haven't made the playoffs since 2015 when they won the world the, the uh, world Super series Bowl, the, football, the, the football world, the football the football world series which the, they call the, the big Bowl. Bowl. yep the anyway big Bowl. haven't been back to the playoffs since then in six years they haven't had a quarterback a good decent quarterback since peyton manning retired time flies when it's, you're a champion i don't know Hey, well, I, I was rooting for the uh, I was rooting for you guys in that Super Bowl too. Okay, I don't believe you, but okay, I was okay. Anyway, so we uh, so it, it was a problem, and everybody knew it. You guys kind of had decent defenses, but no quarterback, and it was kind of a boring offense. To I mean, fall. you're getting granular. Okay, I got you. And so yeah. this there was a loud crash, in the scene. It's all good. Okay. Worse than it that would be. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> if you can hear that in the background, that would be as Matt's trying to tell this very sad story. Um, it's, it's yeah. Your son must have knocked something over. It's, yeah, he stumbled. Okay. It sounded like a fall, so it was a, but he, he's it's fine. It's just yeah. 
Kind of like the Broncos stumbling. Stumbling. Yeah. And so we thought, so they thought it was a big deal this summer when they got one of the hottest quarterbacks on the market. Well, guy by the name of Russell Wilson. Who is, is, who is, okay. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a, he's a very good quarterback up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the relationship between Russell Wilson and his coach, Pete Carroll, yeah. had soured. And it's very rare that a quarterback of that caliber is on, mm-hmm. on the market and available for a trade. Yeah. So there were rumors the Broncos are going to land either Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. And that would fix your problems. It kind of made me nervous as a fan of the rival team. Yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs. I was actually a little nervous. They're going to land one of these guys because we don't need the extra competition. Son of a gun. This summer, you guys land Russell Wilson. Hallelujah. Away a lot of draft picks. You gave up a lot to get him, mm-hmm. but it was worth it. I mean, me, I think almost everybody who pays attention to these things, 90% of the people are like, okay, that's what they need to fix their team. And yeah. so we did one of these things on Patreon at the beginning of the year for our predictions. And you said, and I did not laugh at you. You said, I think our ceiling is the Super Bowl. And I was like, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Fast forward to now. What's your guys' records? I don't know, what, three and eight, I think? Something like that. I, I you and know. Eight. It has not been. It's not been whatever, great. Whatever you thought it was going to be. Is you know, I don't, I don't claim to be um a fortune teller um so me saying our our floor might have been the super bowl is what i might have said um (laughs) yeah the floor was the super bowl the ceiling is the super bowl and the world series um both 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 of them i'm not sure we're not even sure how that would have worked but um yeah, it's been a it's been a terrible season. He is not uh, for whatever reason. Oh, and you had a new head coach. New head coach. Yeah, you didn't mention that. A young guy who we had a lot of hope. They went to a, it was a bit of a PR campaign to kind of raise the spirits of our fanatical fan base, and uh, you know bring joy to the millions of fans all over the world. It's a, it's a global guy. franchise. You go over, we play overseas. We have a bunch of fans. And quite early on, the fans soon found out the coach was very bad. So they say. Mm-hmm. Do you want to trade coaches? No. Okay. Um, and the quarterback... Russell Wilson was playing poorly and seemingly annoying everybody. And so, yeah, for the listeners, not he, he has a very Tim Tebow-ish personality. It seems very coached, very fake is not the right word, but it seems close disingenuous robotic in a weird way like he's being coached by a team of five pr people yes here normal and he's very upbeat it just seems and when he doesn't know what to say he'll just rehash a catchphrase yeah which is very odd it's a very it would be a very odd character in a book i'll put it that way it's and and it's interesting and it's not that he's fake like he's a bad person beneath no it doesn't seem like he's a bad person it's almost sad Yes. It's almost like, I don't know, this guy doesn't know 
how to act in the spotlight. But he also kind of flaunts his big old mansion and he's married to like a pop pop yeah, lady. Sierra. Yeah. And it's part politician, old. part robot, part yeah, yeah. Fake in the way a politician's fake. Um but he's, he's it's weird, it's kind of interesting. Um it, the last game when the his teammates yelled at him. And yeah. the I think the latest thing I heard was the locker room is still with the coach, which is odd, but they they don't some of them don't like uh, the old yeah. Uh, Russ. Yeah, well he's, he's getting paid, and then so you traded for, yeah. for this guy, and then he got a big contract for a quarterback, but for a good quarterback, it's worth it mm-hmm. to pay him that much. Mm-hmm. But two hundred fifty million dollars—that's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of, of money, and it's not worth it to pay a guy We're who's playing. It. He's playing. So the whole thing. So what Peter's angst and just unjustified river of anger is coming from is from the expectations this year were way way high it's like a starving person wandering through the desert well and they see an oasis and palm trees is like we're out we're finally and then it was a mirage and you're still in the desert yeah so it's it's and it's one of the reasons like as a fan of a rival team i don't even i'm not like relishing it I'm kind of looking at it kind of like you do, like fascinated by the train wreck. Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I wouldn't put it off. I mean, we have one of the worst offenses in the last 20 years. I wouldn't put it off that they accidentally punt on third down. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try, you know, maybe having a nine players instead of 11. Yeah. Um. That kind of stuff, just some new wrinkles, some new like, hey, do you remember 2022 when the Broncos, you know, tried to implement rugby strategy into the their offense and it backfired and they ran for negative 84 yards in a game? Just oh, something, I, I would just want to see something different, something new, something truly bad. Oh, uh, we it's been a while. A wrong way touchdown. A wrong way touchdown. Oh, very good. 85 yards, wrong way, touchdown. That those would be. Are, those are fun in the sense that it makes our heroes, you know, just like us. Yeah, you and I, I could see us I doing do that. that. I would get confused. Days. I'd be concussed. I'd run the wrong way. Hmm. Uh, but that, yeah, a wrong way touchdown would be good. Um, I don't know. I mean, when when bad teams are truly bad, they have to have a a a. Uh, for instance, the Jets, uh, another American football franchise, had a play, it, what was this, 15 years ago, called the butt fumble. Uh, the quarterback ran into the butt of his lineman and fumbled the ball. Yeah. That would be an example of a, a terrible play that kind of puts the cherry on the, the top. So I, I'm, I'm going to watch the last, you know, what is it, six weeks left, looking for that. Okay. I'm looking for so what I've taken is you're ribbing and you're like, hey, you should be down. You're not even ribbing. That's what I want. Future is bleak. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I want you to see I'm not even ribbing that much. I'm not even I could I could really go into there, but like I said, no, but see you couldn't because I would say say la vie. I'm not even doing it in my head. 
You know what I mean? I'm like, it's just yeah. like, it's not even that fun. It's Can not I ask like, you a question? The other uh, Chiefs fans in your life, are they giving you a little like, hey, what's the what's the deal in the old Colorado? What's the deal with these, the boys from No, I do see some, no, no. We're kind of, we're scared. Or, I mean, I'm nervous of the Chargers. See, I think that that comes from your your uh, growing up as a as a fan of your team because you're always so. If if the roles were reversed, I think I would be giving you a lot harder time. I would be, and I'd be more used. I'd be like, okay, this is, and maybe that's that means I'm a mean guy. Maybe I'm meaner than you. Well, you grew up having all sorts of sports success, so you're not used to it. So we are like a friend. Like I grew up in. A palace. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some like we're growing up in France and you grew up in the slums of Paris, but we're friends, right? Yeah. And I was I was grew up in Versailles and you did not. And that's how the story goes. Close. Well, I we were always good, but we and I had a 10 foot pool. But until very recently, okay. I had never seen a team I liked win a championship. And you're so you're so negative too about I'm your used to fantastic team that's when I watch your guys play, it doesn't seem like the same sport. And it's just uh you know what I do when I fall back onto this other my other sports teams, books, you fall back onto books. I've been on a great reading streak and it's just a, it feels great. But when uh, you know you turn on your uh turn on your sports teams and they're they're pretty bad. And they're boring too. That's the problem too. They're really boring. So yeah, it's not even obligated. Watch like it's not even a bad book. It's a bad, boring book. Yeah. Would it? Because there's there's things such as exciting bad books, right? Yeah, like a there's fun weird stuff happening and it's bad. This is just bad. I, I hate it. Question. Question. You got it. Go Would ahead. you feel you have the same record? You're still three and eight, but you're losing shootouts. You just had some that, bad luck and you've lost by a field goal hmm. the, the five games that were like 37 to 34. I think that would be better. Yeah. I think there would be yeah. more like, um, I think there's some, there's, there must be a saying where it's, it's easier to like, um, I don't know when your offense is bad. It's just, there's no hope. It's like, a score or two scores by the other team is just uh what do you do <laughs> what do you do it's not gonna happen uh yeah i yeah i would prefer yeah the alternative but you know okay all right how do you fix this how do you um we gotta open some more walmarts so we get some more money some revenue stream and we got to buy out Russell Wilson for uh, two hundred some million dollars. Is that you given? You don't think he's fixable with the new coach? I think I think we can trick him. Oh, stop it with the new coach. The new coach needs to go. Okay, that's just a foregone conclusion. That's the thing that really that actually upsets me when you talk about how you think the coach might be good. I don't think I've told you this. That that actually makes me sort of upset. <laughs> But I'm, I'm like, being, he I'm knows, he knows this. That's the only thing that gets under my skin. When I say something that's like, oh, it's terrible. And you're like, no, I think he's showing that. Actually, I'm like, can you stop doing that? Just because it's his first year. No, it's, uh, stop. He reminds me of uh, Tommy, of Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. He's I'm going to turn off this episode. 
He's an excitable guy. His dad was a football coach. Tommy Boy is your head coach. So I kind of like not, that personally. It's not Tommy Boy. He's Tommy Boy. It's like if you or I coached the team, it would be like, you how many timeouts? Bad. We got oh, three times. Okay. I still might have gone for that long field goal. Um, I kind of agree with you. Anyway. Do you so think Russell Wilson's fixable with with the new coach? No. He's weirdly watching him on your own team. He's weirdly shorter than I thought he was. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. It doesn't. And he looks more panicked and lost than I thought. Hmm. So, I mean, that's a that's a the good combination. System. I wonder. So, what do you think about this? All right, I'm, I'm all ears. Did. If you want to fix the your rival team, I'm I'm open to uh, suggestions. You're kind of at least stuck with them for another year or two because that's a ton of yeah, games. Yeah, we're, we're stuck with them for a while. Maybe you buy them out, but that's unlikely. At least I... next year. So you got to get a good, hard-nosed football coach. I think a first-year head coach might be the wrong combination. What if we just take uh, Andy Reid? What if we pay Andy Reid a lot of money? Well, I was going to say, why don't you guys try to lure Pete Carroll away from Seattle? No, he's the if He's the one coach. He's... <laughs> No. That, was, that was a funny joke. That was okay. That was your first. They was, don't get along, but I wonder yeah. if he does need sort of a hard line, a more. Um, no, I think um, I heard your football coach is looking for a new challenge, and he uh, he, he loves the mountains, and we're going to steal your football coach. And we're going to trade him. We're actually going to trade him. You guys have a better chance of luring Brett Favre out of retirement. I think Brett Favre might go to jail. Um, I know that, but that's. Andy Reid's not, not leaving Patrick Mahomes. He's waited, his whole, he's waited his whole career to have a quarterback. He has this great team, and you guys are always just nervous. How, what's the fun in that? I will say the one the you were talking earlier about like diving into books and other stuff when your team's bad. Yeah. Last year, the AFC Championship game, we lost in overtime. We yeah. would have gone to the Super Bowl, but we just fell apart and lost. I picked up life and fate i was like i don't even care about football i'm a serious person and i started life and fate because i think you've told me this before but that's what you that's what yeah. you do you just dive into something you like pick something you're like i'm gonna start actually. being i'm gonna be a writer i don't uh, even care about football i don't even just i mean i thought i talk about books every week why am i not why am i watching this why am i wasting my time on football i mean it is kind of a waste but when they're winning it's not it's fun it's entertaining yeah. but i i mean you have any more um, mean comments? Do you have another Broncos hat you want to show? Up? Once again, I submit to you guys. I haven't been that mean. I don't know. We just we're just being we're just being defensive. No, you you've been nice. You've been. But this is how this is like the whole town is kind of like is kind of like that. It's oh, like it's weird. not. Like you can pick up on weird vibes when there's no vibes. There are vibes. It's Everyone's like, happy. Is that the weird vibe you have? It's like a relative just died and you shouldn't say anything. Oh, come on now. Like, hey, buddy. All right, it's good. You're still doing good, bud. Good you should give somebody in, in your life a Russell Wilson jersey. Yeah. And that would be a... Well, this is going to make betting on the games hard. Because last year, we had little, you know, little fun bets. And I know uh, I still owe you what, two weeks is when I need to give your gift to you. Yeah, Peter owes me a book. Or else the podcast will end. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, but what we're doing here tonight is kind of settling an old score. The, one of the Chiefs Broncos games last year that I won, Peter had to read an essay by Gore Vidal. I did. 
And so that's kind of that's also what we're doing here. We're gonna do so let's let's transition over to that because I I mean, do you have any final comments on your rival team being bad? No, I mean we we won't do we usually do the, the we were I was just thinking we'd do the check in check in with your team check in with my team I mean, worth it like we do on Patreon. We wound up just talking about you know this is like a therapy session for you. Your team's cool. We'll get into that in our next football episode in a couple of weeks. You, your team, if tie this back to books, you got like, you got a good graphic design. Your the cover looks good. You got cool font. You got like pictures in your. You got like maps if you cool. You got like a science fiction book or something. And then we're just like, like a guidebook for like DOS. It's like who needs this? Nobody. <laughs> for like big, for like computer history classes, which I don't think is a thing. And we're just like, ugh, yeah. And we're expensive. Those books are expensive. We worked in a bookstore together. Those computer books are like 70 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got your programming in C++ and Word. No, we're not even something useful. We're, what is it, Microsoft, was it DOS? That is that that was right, something, that's something. Yeah, yeah, that seems old. I don't know anything about computers. But. We're like, how to clean your floppy disk. And it's just like, ugh, yeah. It's terrible analogies. This this episode is going to be called analogies. But all right, yeah, this is depressing. Thirty minutes of just sadness. I'm doing good, but all right, we'll figure out how to bet on the. We'll figure it out. I well, you're gonna to have to give me some. A lot I like I like the essay the essay thing. Little short stories or essays as stakes. Oh. Those are fun. So yeah, let's transition into that. And this wasn't really a punishment. This was I know it's a thought provoking. This was I don't know. I, I made me think a little bit. Um, and the essay you had me read was from the 1960s, January second, nineteen sixty, in an edition of the Nation. It was a, a review by Gore Vidal of Nora Mailer's. Um, book advertisements for myself um and it's a uh, that's just on a few interesting topics that i think i could see why you wanted me to read it yeah um it's a bit of a look into the past about sort of how maybe how authors were maybe more figures in sort of our cultural consciousness maybe like i don't see like it comes from that era. Yes. You can tell Vidal kind of knows that it, that's kind of ending. He can mm-hmm. sense the reader, like the a, the era where people used to just read novels all the time. It's coming to an end. He can sense this all the way back in the 60s. So, but it, it comes out of that era. It's ostensibly a review of Norman Mailer's new book. And it kind of is. But what the really good critics and essayists do is kind of use their nominal assignment as a jumping off point to talk about what interests them. And so that's kind of what I wanted your take on is because he gives his like ideal, what would you call it? An ideal outlook for an artist or a writer, which is the fact, this is what makes this one of my favorite essays. I think there's some all time like quotes in here. There are some. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me preface this by saying all these sort of takes on what like what a writer should do and what they should it's all kind of it's all interesting to me um but at the end of the day it's all kind of silly right 
It's kind of silly. It's a little. It's all a little like inside baseball. It's like part of me feels like it's just writers kind of like. I think it's more for writers, like the writing group of, of you know, what do you talk about with your writing friends? And th- that makes sense. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know. It, it all feels a little like, okay, like that's interesting and all, but is there any like practical example of what you're talking about? Like, I don't know. It feels, I, I'll be honest. I really liked the essay. I thought some of the writing was fantastic. Like yeah. as someone who is, we still need to read Gore Vidal this is his nonfiction. Like some of the passages I'm like, Oh, this is like, I would say brilliant. Like this is really good. And some of the observations on kind of, he touches on a lot of different subjects. Um, and I, I kind of want to read some of the passages. I'm curious. I think you could probably pick out a dozen passages in this essay. It's not, it's a long essay, but it's not like a, you know, it's not like a, it turned into a book or anything like that. But at the back of my mind with all this kind of stuff, it's like, he's, it's a critique sort of, of Norman Mailer, but also I think some of the critique he's giving this, you could almost turn back on himself in a weird way. Uh, of, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would know that, but that's, you know, and I guess it's inside baseball, but it's, you know, a, a, an essay of literary criticism. So it's, it, it's in its place. He's not. Let me, this in, in let me go through some of my favorite parts okay. of. Let's see here. And these are fairly long, like passages. I have one where I'm kind of critical of it, uh, where I'm like, eh, it seems like a little like some of his when he talks about how Mailer like talks about the war. He's like, no one cared. Like, no one. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it seems a little bit like rewriting the past for your own sort of like how you use stuff but let me start here and you can read this essay for free online so you don't have to kind of subscribe to anything like that and it's called norman mailer syndrome by gore vidal is the title of the essay so it's in my little copy it's called norman mailer's self-advertisements oh really yeah hmm what's interesting is this was the where I found it was on the LA uh, Review of Books, mm-hmm. yeah, but it was in the Nation originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little confused. I just realized that. But let me go to some of the parts I liked. Um, all right, the first one, and I'll just I won't really give backstory. I think the kind of quotes will kind of once I get through the whole thing, you'll kind of understand what's going on. Now, the descent, swift or slow, is not agreeable, but on the other hand, it is not as tragic as Mailer seems to find it. To be demoralized by the withdrawal of public success, a process as painful in America as the withdrawal of a drug from an addict, is, I think, to grant too easily a victory to the society one has attempted to criticize, affect, change, reform. It is clearly unreasonable to expect to be cherished by those one assaults It is also childish in the deepest sense of being a child to ever expect justice. There is none beneath our moon. One can only flourish through an injustice obtaining in one's favor. Favor. Oh, wait, hold on. I just skipped a line there. One can only hope not to be destroyed entirely by injustice. And to put it cynically, one can often, very often, flourish through an injustice obtaining in one's favor. 
what matter what matters finally is not the world's judgment of oneself but one's own judgment of the world any writer who lacks this final arrogance will not survive very long especially in america i thought there was a lot that was very that is my maybe my all-time favorite quote really my favorite quote for from anything i've ever read yeah really that's the big one that i was going to read if you didn't yeah i think i think it's great i liked that was something there was a lot of things in that that there is that element to i I like the starting element of the withdrawal of success is like because he's a he's kind of the i would say one of the main things is don't try to write for like success in like fame Kind That's of. what he's getting at. He he's he sees Mailer as embodiment of an ambitious author. And yes. he means somebody who wants to become a personality. And he, Mailer and Hemingway and Thomas Wolfe wrote ambitious novels, which I, I think is fine, but Vidal's coming from a different angle. And so when he said it matters not what the world thinks of you, but what you think of the world, he's saying the the right attitude to have if you want to succeed as a writer especially in america is you have a unique perspective and you turn around and your art stems from that I think and so that's what he's getting at that's kind of what he's using mailer as a way to kind of address that issue and his thoughts on the ideally what a writer should be what an artist should be and it's aspirational it's not like Gorbidal didn't care about how he was perceived. He he did, but it's, you know, a lot of this is just something to, to strive for, I think. It's more attitudinal, something yeah. to aspire to. It's it maybe the attitude you carry when you put pen to paper. Exactly. Because exactly. um, a lot of it's like, well, how do you actually, like, I don't know. Some of it's it sort of seems like, oh, thanks for the criticism, like, kind of like everyone's sort but i i think, I think the main point is the attitude you take when you try to become this the, the, yeah. this kind of the writer and nimbus yeah. form why are writing. you writing why are you creating art of any kind right because he kind of but takes shots as put- Hem- at hemingway i've heard this before from other people i think professors like hemingway hit a certain point um kind of fairly early on where he became this famous the hemingway you know, he became a, a celebrity in a sense. And he had to kind of, he kind of went, he leaned into those things as he, as he kind of went along as a writer. Um, I think it's interesting too, when you read these essays, when they kind of criticize authors you like, or you've liked their works. Yeah. Is, I think there's a, there's kind of two reflexes you have. One maybe is, you kind of reject the essay. Mm-hmm. Um, it like, oh, he's attacking my one of my favorite. I must reject it. That I think is like not a very accurate or like healthy way of interacting with the piece. Um, and two, let's say you dislike Hemingway. You you read this essay and you, you kind of like feel validated, or maybe there's that feel validated or whatever now you're going to take on all of Vidal's opinions right Mm -hmm. but then there's this other thing where you can like 
Hemingway and sort of like the points, but just be like, on a personal level, I like the Hemingway novels and sort of yeah. accept what he's saying about them. But just yeah. being like, I have no skin in the game sort of thing. Like, I'm not going to the Paris parties with these guys. And I'm, yeah, I'm, at a certain point, doesn't that, yeah. At a certain so, point, it's just like, this is my personal preferences I like. But I also kind of understand and, and agree with some of the points. Does that well, make sense? Yeah. Well, and that's the mature way to deal with it. Yeah. When I... I like Vidal the way a lot of people like Hemingway. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger and I read this, and he, Vidal's pretty funny about Hemingway. He doesn't like him. I was kind of like on board, like I was on his team. But, you know, as you grow, it's like, I don't have to pick sides. Yeah, it, I can enjoy Mailer's work. It's not like, and Mailer and Vidal wound up, they had a weird relationship. They wound up getting along. Like, it's all fine. You don't have, you don't have to pick sides, but you can enjoy a good line or be like, oh, that's a good point. I, well, I, I do like the distinguish between authors as like personalities and people mm-hmm. who are trying to be a quote unquote writer versus having something to say and making that your your reason. You could, I thought reading this, you know, I say it, a lot of the points still stand, I guess. And I think a lot of oh. the sort of issues we've maybe had with contemporary authors is highlighted in this oh. essay. Um, Later on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some stuff towards uh, the essays. So I think, but what I've always thought about, you know, these sort of very influential, like, tastemakers, if you will, is eventually their taste will sort of, you'll you'll agree with them, you'll agree with them, and then they'll, like, turn their ire towards one of your, like, oh, he must like this person, or she must like this person, and then they kind of ridicule, and you're like, oh, I thought we would agree on everything, mm-hmm. and then, and yeah. so it's... It, I think you will, you learn quickly as you're kind of making your way through tastes and whatnot and reading what you like and and thinking about books is you kind of have to, this isn't, you know, scripture, so to speak. And it's, I think it's kind of fun in a way to kind of engage with this type of essay and it sort of make, get you thinking about stuff and it's, I don't know. I think it has a lot of truth. There is some seriousness to it, but there's also some of it's like, it's a, Vidal's a very talented writer and he's, he's clearly writing for like, he's showing off his skill, right? He's showing off who he is as a writer. So there's that element of it too. It's not like Vidal wants no, he didn't write this anonymously. He wrote, he has his name on it. He got paid to do this. So. And Mailer like took shots at people too yeah some poor defenseless like broncos fan or whatever he's <laughs> but i did like the, like the engaging way he started you know talking about how we all i, I was waiting to come out wondering who was going to do it and then oh it's the naked and the dead and i, I kind of like that i thought you would like that too you know like let me do my that, that whole generation waiting for somebody who's going to have the big the big the first big world war ii novel yeah um this is my last section that i, that I thought was really good and it's a little bit longer but i'll just jump into it and he goes perhaps what has gone wrong with mailer and many of our fellow clerks is the sense that human being to flourish must be possessed by one idea a central meaning to which all experience can be related to be in Isaiah Berlin's bright metaphor, hedgehog rather than fox. Yet the human mind is not capable of this kind of exclusivity. We are 
We are none of us hedgehogs or foxes, but both simultaneously. The human mind is in continual flux and personality is simply a sum of those attitudes, which most often repeat themselves in recognizable actions. It is naive and dangerous to try to impose on the human mind any system of thought which lays claim to the finality. Very few first-rate writers have ever subordinated to their own apprehension of the most protein reality to a man-made system of thought. Uh, Tolstoy's famous attempt in War and Peace. He kind of takes a little shots at Tolstoy throughout the essay, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. He goes, nearly wrecked that beautiful work. Ultimately, not Christ, not Marx, not Freud, despite the pretensions of each, has the final word to say about the fact of of uh, being human. I like that that part too. Um, mm-hmm. And those who take sol- solemnly the words of the, the other men are as absolute are in the deepest sense, maiming their own sensibility, converting. Con- Controverting. Controverting. I copy this way too small on my uh, google docs i'll be completely i have it written down too that was one of the quotes i was i was like and i'm just single space so i'm struggling here at the the (laughs) very controverting the evidence of their own senses in a fashion which may be comforting to a terrified man but is disastrous for an artist i really like that the i read that horribly but um i do like and that was something i thought was maybe um you can't see in today's you have to have like this he says you know possessed by one idea a central meaning to which all experience can be related i think that's i made me think of uh sort of auto fiction and relating everything back to the self and their self and how they their experience and it's not venturing out from that you're not making sense of the world. You're yeah. you're you're nervous about your place in it. Or yeah. it, it goes back to that other quote. I love this quote too. It's another another mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But it goes back to as an artist, you're here to make sense of the world and to express that mm-hmm. something deep down, and you express that to other people, and that's the point of your artwork, rather than. Like he's talking, you know, a Freud, like a Freudian or a Marxist or something, rather than trying to latching on to one of those worldviews to make sense of the world. Maybe if you're just a person and that's how you want to do it, fine. But if you're an artist, like that's not going to latching on to a Freudian outlook or a Marxist outlook, it's going to damage your work. It's not going to be helpful. Yeah. And I know you know to say. I mean, I think part of the one of the big things that hurt the uh, the Galdarn Topeka school. Mm-hmm. right well he was trying to like i think kind of prove that he buys into the current moral climate and he was all hand ringy about who what makes a good person am i a good person or am i bad like everybody else it's like that it clearly wasn't coming from the heart it was uh i think he's doing exactly what i think the one of the things i don't like in like when writers do this was when they feel like they figured it out and he mentioned it like having finality about human beings like oh okay i got it all like having that attitude to it all like you know the novel stops with this and uh, everything else whatever and there has to be some sort of self-reflection i think for a book to really connect with me personally where it's there's some like there's some i i know these truths but these aren't 
set in stone right now this is you know there's there's not this sense of i don't know the yeah well this this is the belief this is the fact this is what x y and z and all right we're done Freud, uh, Freudian or a Marxist, they come at the world like they have it figured out yeah. so scientifically. And he's saying that's not, Vidal's saying that's not what the novel is. But here's another, here's a, another quote. Yeah. Works of fiction at best create not arguments, but worlds. And a world by definition is an attitude toward a complex of experience, not a single argument or theme syllogistically proposed. That's no, I, I, I remember I mean, that part too. And that's, that's exactly that's important too. Cause there's, and it's, I think what maybe authors sometimes forget is there's a lot of different ways to perceive some, any, like a world or a interaction or a, the motivations of people. And there's just endless combinations you can do as a novelist or a writer or a poet or whatever. Um, and I think that's the, that's where like we as readers like it when an author, I, I, I think I told you this. I like when an author takes chances and sometimes they don't. Well, exactly. I mean, aren't perfect. Like, ah, that, that was a little weird or that, that, that didn't hit. But if, at least if it's like, oh, that's, but if it's new and it's different, I like that usually. Now, if it's completely like, I do like some sort of like, okay, this is tied back to quote unquote traditional novel or whatever. Um, if it's just totally in my mind, ah, oh, this is too much, or this isn't coherent, or I do struggle with that sometimes. But I do like the the chance of or the newness of the novel is still there for me, um, and I I don't like, and I think we both have said this many times. We don't like it when it's just like, what's the? There's no new. You can't write a novel like you can't. It's like no, like. Well, still do it like just, <laughs> just yeah the novel is dead it's it's, it's your you know, like a good writer a good novelist will take you inside it will show you something new about the world and that's what makes it fun yeah engaging that's what makes it it won't ever die because it, the it, world's always going to be new there's always new it, it, it you know it i think they confuse sometimes the idea of the novel can't say anything new rather than they themselves, the author can't say anything new. Well, yeah. And they fetish. Well, because they're the type of authors like, and I won't even say like Mailer because Mailer, I'm fine with him. I think a lot of, especially lit fic that Mm -hmm. tends to be boring. They don't necessarily have anything to say. They want to be seen as a writer and therefore they have to write books like the other types of books that are getting published. And those are auto fiction and very inward looking and self-involved. And so they just write here's, okay, here's my self-involved novel that is boring. It doesn't really do anything. And so it's just imitations of each other rather than here's my, here's my view of the world. And we're going to, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a book, drive your plow over the bones of the dead. Um, and it's a weird book. And it has something to say. And I think it's excellent. I think it's fantastic. But it comes at it in a very, there's there's a strangeness to it and kind of a newness to it. And she's still a fantastic writer. She's doing, she's still writing. She still has things to say. And there's still like, you know, I think points she's trying to prove. But she goes about it in a kind of like a strange. Yeah. But it's engaging. It's, it's engaging. And it's, it's, she's not trying to be 
taken seriously. She is taken no, seriously. No, she I think she would but she's but she's not it's derivative. She's not trying to be taken seriously. I think she knows, okay, there's something to say about like hard work and like work like there's definitely hard work and like struck like that goes into it and it's not uh like a 500 word essay and it's not you know a blog about your you know what you bought at the grocery store like to construct some of the, the a book or novel is new there's a lot of work and years of, of like messing around with structure and, and point of view and and cutting and at, like all that kind of stuff where you hear about it in, in like writing school that all goes into it and to say that has no meaning i don't know but i think there's just sometimes you just kind of have to say i don't know the, the, we get stuck on the auto fiction sometimes and, and normal novels can fail too but um i don't know i don't know where the end point of that was i was just wanted to say drive your plow over the bones of the dead is a yeah. fantastic novel that's not it's it's weird it's a kind of a strange book to say hello here's the plot of the book and you know we're going to sell it to you know 250,000 copies or something like that i don't know so well i have no idea if that's how many books it sold it, I, probably not did pretty well i think she's how do we reach for modern lit fic as an example of the kind of derivative yeah writers wanting to be people wanting to be seen as writers versus having something to say or something about the human condition or what is venturing into cliches here but what it means to be a human or, or, or whatever, easier, what it means to entertain like to be or something to say about society you know uh you can't tell me you can't read dumas and be like oh this is hugely entertaining and it took a a huge effort to make it that entertaining for that long like that's a yeah genius work the Count of Monte Cristo to be that I mean that's impressive in itself now is it does it have I would argue it does like all the sort of style and the beauty of whoever maybe someone less read and I would argue it is that has as good a writing as those books but you know what i mean it's it's oh you can do both you can do one you can do other you can write genre you can write oh if you want to get into what counts as literature and yeah, what's yeah. fiction we could do um, hours on that like it's yeah but no um no this was i i really enjoyed this essay i'm gonna i saved it and sort of I, i'll kind of go back to it because i didn't know what I, I, I wanted to talk about the parts that kind of jumped out at me because there's a lot to kind of unravel, I guess, um, as far as, cause it's good, dense, writing, Not dense. It's rich writing. I would say is how I would describe it. Um, and we need to read Corvidal, a novel in 2023. You can see how he's fun to read. Like his essays yeah, are like this. The tone is very is... engaging. He can point you towards some more serious stuff. There's some anecdotes some fun stuff like the and i did like i said i didn't agree with all of it i thought some of the parts were brilliant i thought some parts were like genius and i was like this is a this is engaging i guess a little string of elegance or yeah. Yeah, eloquence to him um be... let me i i liked we have one more things because we we are also going to pick a holiday yeah. movie tonight so well i like the part towards the end where he's talking about the the world of book criticism and how mm -hmm. academics kind of dissect books and i think what we're complaining about about litfic and stuff we're kind of living in the wake of what vidal was talking about 
but he's talking about how in previous centuries these people would be uh philosophers debating small points or theologians debating like how many angels can fit on the head of a pin or whatever like these people are happy doing that but it's not fashionable to be religious in academia anymore so these kind of pedantic didactic people have moved over to literature i I know that's a good point and then the, the last like quote i'll read at length that i like is concerning that In the 19th century, most of our critics, many of our novelists, would have been writing books of sermons and quarreling over points of doctrine. With religion gone out of the intellectual world, they now write solemnly and uneasily about novels. They are clearly impatient with the vulgar vitality of the art, and were it not that they had one another's books about books to analyze, I suspect many of them would despair and falter. I I thought that's good the books about books and he, he he'll talk about in other essays um a lot of the and he's talking about the 70s uh the new wave of, of what auto fiction or whatever how they're a lot of the serious literary books of that era were written to be taught mm-hmm. they're so dense and impenetrable they're clearly not written to be read they're written to be taught in college by people who he, so it's kind of funny to read him on academia then and to realize, I think kind of the scene we're in now is there's a whole new generation of writers who learn how to quote unquote write from these academics who wrote books about books. And it, it kind of has, to, it, it, I think he's on to something. Things kind of fall in place. It's fun to read this 50 years later. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why a lot of litfic that gets taken seriously is so bad is because they learned how to write from these people yeah. who always kind of complaining about. It's true. Like offend, like I like the the phrasing the the critic being offended by the vulgar vitality, which is what he's talking about. Like an author need the vitality of the work doesn't make sense to the type of academic who, yeah, you know, who yeah. likes to debate and get caught up on little points of things. There's yeah. something living to the novel that gets lost in academia, and uh, the kernel of what's what's wrong with the literary world is is somewhere in there. Well, it was a very enjoyable essay, and um, yeah, I think um, if you're listening to this, you would uh, find find some aspect to make you think. Probably, probably multiple. So, yeah. Um, let's end with a tradition we've done over the last two years. I want to say let's do it, where we pick a holiday movie, Christmas movie. Could be a holiday movie. Could be. Uh, it, doesn't have to be Christmas. We've picked um, Home Alone. We what Home we do Alone. is we watch the movie. You watch along with us, and we do an episode on the movie. Um, we did Home Alone and Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard last year. Die Hard last year, and that was a Patreon only episode. I'm thinking, if you're okay with it, we'll unlock the Die Hard episode. Okay, yeah. from last year because we get into all is it Christmas. We answer it once and for all. We answer the question: Is it a Christmas movie? So we'll unlock that. And you guys can listen. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this Christmas movies. Okay. There's a lot of new ones that come out, and they're all kind of like what's quote unquote a Hallmark movie, right? It's kind of I can I just say I like Hallmark Christmas movies. I have no problem with Hallmark Christmas movies. And I and I'm always sort of in, in the back of my head, I'm like always a little disappointed that there's not more great Christmas movies that I love. And that might be an issue with me. Well, uh, the last great Christmas movie I loved was probably tw- almost 20 years ago, which is a little bit depressing. Love Actually. 
Some people don't like it. Some people like it. I just. I, I love and I, it. I, that's on my list of stuff to nominate. Okay. I was going to say Love Actually is a Hallmark Christmas movie. It is. It's got celebrities in it, but it's a Hallmark. It's got a bigger cast, right? Yeah. And it's fun. Um, I like Hallmark Christmas movies, but, you know. That's and then I got to thinking, okay, there's a movie that's played, and I, and I like sort of the humor. Uh, what I grew up on is like uh, Christmas Vacation, so to mm-hmm. speak. But I was also thinking, okay, they play It's a Wonderful Life every year mm-hmm. on, on TV. Um. There must be other Christmas movies from that era that I just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe they're bad, maybe they're good. So that's where my I have two nominations from oh, that era. One of which is tied to, I think you could call this movie a Christmas movie-ish. And that would be uh the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie, You've Got Mail. Okay. Would you consider that a Christmas movie? I guess I've only seen bits and pieces. Okay. But let me just let me let me start off with sort of my older um nominations here, okay? And the one that I'm talking about is a movie called The Shop Around the Corner from 1940, okay? <laughs> Have you heard of this movie? No. So this would be let me pull it up here. I had it kind of This is I think it takes place um i think it takes place in europe i want to say and i think it's jimmy stewart and basically a mischievous and summary jimmy stewart devastating young and handsome all uh, this description is terrible um hold on here matt i'm sorry we're describing jimmy stewart as young and handsome no it's basically they don't know the true basically how i think because and you've got mail i think the bookstore is called the shop around the corner oh were they referencing i gotcha so they can't stand each other but they are here here we go um The, the, the film is about two employees at a leather goods shop in Budapest who can barely stand each other, not realizing they are falling in love as anonymous correspondents through their letters. Are you that is you've got mail? Yeah, it's that you've got oh, mail they, remade this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. What I'm saying movie. is in oh. You've Got Mail, the shop around the corner of the bookstore is it's that's the title the from this movie. Um oh, so it, it's I think it's a Christmas movie just because I think it takes place during Christmas. So, but I, you me know? personally, I kind of want to watch this movie because I like You've Got Mail, but uh, come on now. I, no, no, I'm down. I thought you were going to have us watch You Got Mail and I wasn't. No, Margaret Sullivan, he, James Stewart at this point. I don't think it's Jimmy Stewart. I will. Uh, okay. That's okay. Good. No, that's very good. Um, Next one I have is called holiday affair okay i don't know why my i have all these notes matt and they're all kind of you put them in the small font no i have this link to this website that i was going to read and it was going to be okay this is perfect this is going to be uh robert mitchum okay hey and it's one of his few roles i like this antidote one of his like rare like where he's the good guy roles you like the he's reportedly took this role to fix his image after he had a cannabis drug bust yeah 
Holiday Affair sees two men fighting for the romantic affections of a fresh-faced Janet Lee. Um, she plays Connie, a single mother widowed after her husband's death during the war, who supports herself working as a competitive shopper. Uh, so, I mean, this Holiday Affair, you can kind of sense that it's... But these are two movies that I thought, well, why can't I add these to my, you know... Christmas Eve or, or your Christmas movie. There's more movies from this era. Not that It's a Wonderful Life is a bad movie, but maybe we want to add some more black and white. Old school. Old school stuff. Peter, those are very strong. Okay, thank you. I suspect we're going to go with one or both of them, actually. Okay. But let me let me do mine. Okay. That's very good. I'm, I like those. <laughs> I haven't seen either of those. Have you seen What's Wrong to Mind when uh you were talking was the original miracle on 34th street i have that one played one. yeah i and i thought of that but i wanted something that, sort that's of still it, pretty well known more obscure kind of wanted something the more the romantic because that seems where they're leaning into it these days is sort of the romantic um oh the hallmark movies yeah or the any sort of yeah. the romantic comedy one so i wanted to see uh i think these two movies sort of play yeah. into those themes okay. of the romantic uh maybe coming to know each other more perfect okay too well two people hate each other and wind up falling in love at christmas season yeah the hallmark movie cliche at this point is the the very professional young lady in the big city goes home for christmas meets yeah. down home flannel wearing That's i like it though I like I watched, it. the last few years i've been watching them and i was like i actually enjoy these i watched one uh christmas at the golden dragon okay which is a high-powered marketing woman from the big city goes back to wichita oh i saw a mountain in the background so i googled it it was shot in canada but <laughs> takes place in wichita and she has to save her her family's local chinese restaurant how about that yep it's uh that's a weird that's a they just why wichita I don't know, just a small town. Okay. Small town, USA. So what, what, it, it was a solid... Uh, okay. okay. not judging you. So I'm nominating Christmas at the Golden Dragon. Christmas at the Golden Dragon. No, I'm not nominating. I don't know where I watched it. It's not. Lindsay Lohan is it? Actually, the most of the cast of Mean Girls... Is that new? Now, now do, yeah. Lindsay Lohan... my wife watched that. Hallmark. Does she lose her memory? In real life? No, movie. I think movie. both. I think she both real life and stop it. No, Lindsay Lohan is in one, and then the other girl, not the one from the notebook, but the other one, she does a lot of Christmas movies now. So, Christmas movies are a good. Uh, I watched a, another one. Oh, with, no, I watched Falling for Christmas. Falling. I, 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 I would say I didn't watch it so much as I watched parts of it when I like it caught my attention. Yeah. That's new on Netflix. Anyway, that's it's a good place for people, actresses and, and male models are usually the love interest in this. Yeah. And then actresses from other things wind up doing the Hallmark Christmas movies. I saw Brooke Shields and uh, Carrie Elwes in a movie. Okay. Yeah. He owns a castle. I don't think Lindsay Lohan was in this movie you're describing. Who? I don't think Lindsay Lohan was in this movie you're talking She's about. In, she wasn't in Christmas the Golden Dragon. I'm talking about a different one. Oh. I'm talking, there's a lot of these movies and a lot of people are in them. A different one. 
the one with Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes. Brooke Shields plays a very successful novelist who retreats to a castle in Scotland to write. And Carrie Elwes owns the castle and they hate each other, Peter. Until they fall in love at Christmas time. I love it. It's good stuff. Anyway, that was pointless digression. (laughs) My Christmas movies, uh, It's a Wonderful Life was on there. Okay. But we'll do it. I I just said I'm down with your with your idea. Uh, I have Love Actually slash Hallmark movie, which your nominations kind of are. My one wild card, because last year we did Die Hard. No, that's not a Christmas movie. Christmas, this is a Christmas movie, but it's not seen as such, but it does take place at Christmas time. Eyes Wide Shut. No, (laughs) (laughs) It's a Christmas movie with romance of sorts. So. what i love the way your brain works <laughs> like i was like what could he say and i'm like oh yeah they're shopping for chris i mean they are shopping for christmas oh boy that's the new debate hey you know what everyone's talking about yeah. die hard it's a christmas movie that's, <laughs> you, settled. You, that's settled his eyes wide shut a christmas movie i can I Google that and see if that comes up with anything? Hold on here. Type in is eyes wide shut and see if one of the prompts is Christmas movie. Yes. It is. That might be Google listening to me right now. Oh, right. Well, you know what? Let's do. Actually, there's an article that says from Videodrome, eyes wide shut, Kubrick's Christmas film. <laughs> no, I was all proud of myself for Coming up, another one that says "Idoid Shut" is an anti-consumerist holiday classic. <laughs> There's another one from last year that says "Is 1999's erotic thriller Idoid Shut a Christmas movie?" So I thought, oh man, someone got to you a little two to one to two years ago. People started. Oh well, well we could still do our Christmas movie episode on Idoid <laughs> Shut. Okay. So what do you what 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 are you thinking here? Do you want to do? Double feature of your two. Okay. The, the Robert Meacham and the Jimmy Stewart one. I think, yeah. And I think Not too much. We want to just let me hold on. Cause sometimes with these classics, um, finding how to watch them is a little bit tricky. Hold on. Around the corner here. Movie. As long as they're available to rent on Amazon, this should be doable. Yep. A shop around the corner is doable. Shop around the corner. All right, let me rent this. That's the Jimmy Stewart one? Yes. Holiday Affair. And Holiday Affair is the Meacham one. The Meacham one. And you can rent that for like two bucks, three bucks. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Let's do a double. We can talk about, we can do an episode where we talk about both of them. All right. We got, yeah, Robert Meacham, Gently. If she was in, Gently was in. Was Psycho, right? Yeah. She, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom? Is it? I think. Because <laughs> like the lady from Psycho married Tony Curtis and had Jamie Lee Curtis. I think you're right. Is that Janet Lee? Okay. Yeah, she was in Psycho. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. She was also in Little Woman in 1949. Mm. Mm. She was in a movie called The Vikings in 1958. That looks the poster looks very intriguing. <laughs> the title sounds cool. She was also in the Manchurian Candidate. Look at us learning the about original, the Sinatra one. Yeah. So 
All right. So. All right. Christmas movie. Let's recap this whole episode. You weren't being mean to me about the Broncos. Peters is very defensive. We didn't even get into the. Corvidal wrote a very interesting essay about a lot of stuff that I, 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 as a novice to this essay, recommend. And we've picked two old-timey movies to watch this holiday season. Shop Around the Corner and Holiday Affair. That was pretty, that was, you know, I thought we'd have more debate. But I do like your Eyes Wide Shut. That is... Maybe next year we'll do an Eyes Wide Shut, It's a Wonderful Life doubleheader. I think what you need to do now, okay, is I think you got to dig a little deeper, okay, to find the next debatable Christmas movie. Okay. Uh, that's my that's my homework for you well okay sure i want okay. you to kind of like get in there and be like and so people are like what is that huh okay. uh, Dude, we touched on it in our diehard episode technically any movie that you ritually watch at christmas is a christmas movie and the borderline ones like like harry potter and lord of the rings i view harry potter are. as a christmas movie because and a lot of people gather around and watch the lord of the rings lord of the rings yes. so those technically there's no Christmas even in those worlds or in the Lord of the Rings world, but they count because it's kind of a comforting ritualistic thing. You watch their family. I agree. So we could have done Lord of the Rings, but that's a whole separate. Yeah, I don't, We're going to read the books one of these days. And I really, I, I really want to read the books. Um, anyway. Okay. I'll think about it. Some random movie that takes place at Christmas time. I, I have faith in you. Um, that you're going to find something really out there that hasn't been found by the internet. And you're going to, we're going to break it here in 2023, let's say. Okay. So, all right. This has been a fun episode, man. I think so. We'll see what the people think. People are going to love it. I think our personalities shine. Yes. This is normally the type of thing we do on Patreon. So we'll go ahead. Um, quick story, funny story. I told my wife I was going to tell this story. She got vaguely mad at me for half a second. And I was like, it'll be funny. And I got a permission set. Okay. Uh, I got the new Cormac McCarthy book from the library. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I tell her this. Um, and she goes i thought he died i go oh no he's fairly old you know he you know he, that these are probably his there's another book coming out in a month and those are kind of like his probably his last two books she goes oh he wrote angela's ashes right and i go what <laughs> yeah i oh, that was a funny story i was like yeah, yeah that happened ah, i was yeah. like what? oh okay okay yeah, i think it's frank mccourt but frank McCourt, yeah. irish irish name so yeah i was, that that's, was that's that's fine that's acceptable right. funny story it's, it's, yeah that's fine yeah I was like what? okay and I, I do that all the time i'm always like hey oh, last episode i thought the guy gavilar k was dead mm-hmm. not dead was, uh, yeah well we played that game when we were hanging out in person uh dead or alive because sometimes celebrities die and i was like oh, i thought they were i didn't know there's i thought they were already dead yeah and we played dead or alive that degenerated into offensive that's all you know that's not all i mean yeah um transitioning what are we reading what this has been mostly a non-bookish episode but we are reading quite a few books our last episode we picked up we added all the seas of the world 
to uh, a new book by Guy Gavalier K. Not dead. I just found that out. Um, that's on our TBR. We also are going to be talking about The Master Margarita, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, Lions of Lucerne, which I which I should be done here shortly. Uh, that's over on our Patreon. That's our thriller corner. Um, a delightfully crazy book. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> that has uh, a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Um, just a lot, a lot, lots going on. Okay. Uh, and if you like a thriller, pages, pages turn. Okay. Um, Life of Faith, The Once and Future King. I'm going to read Iron Wing by William Kitt. There's a ton of books. We'll be adding a December book here at some point in this month. So um, that is our TBR uh, yep. for the podcast. So I think a lot of good selections there. So yeah, uh, Matt, any final thoughts? Anything I've missed? On yeah. There? Well, let me let me say this type of episode is what we usually do on Patreon. Yeah. And so you know, if you want to sign up. We do bookish stuff too. It's not just we do all sorts of you know. We'll we'll put some wagers on on football games and then talk about the the prize or the the, uh, what do you call it? The prize or the what the wages of defeat? What what word am I looking for? Wages. If you lose the bet, it will read an essay like this. Or Peter has to buy me a book. Just a mustache in my face. Yeah, some sort of literary uh, result. We did. I, uh, I like this this essay or short story exchange. I think I like it. I agree. Uh, I agree. But anyway, if you want to join up for as little as three dollars a month, there are different tiers. You get access to uh, exclusive episodes. I am having some coffee mugs printed up, so new patrons will get. We'll send you a coffee mug with our little logo on it, uh, bookmarks looking into t-shirts so fun stuff happening over there lots of football arguments random essays and short stories we'll talk about in our movies look for the unlocked Die Hard episode there we go and we're going to pick a new spy novel to succeed uh, Lion of Lucerne here soon too so So we have a lot on the uh, docket so to speak so uh, we will talk to y'all soon thanks for listening Let's ride.